Praise God. Well, let's uh, let's jump into our let's jump into our message for today. Okay, we started a few weeks ago. We started a a sermon series on the story of Elijah, the story of Elijah, and Elijah's story uh, covers about three or four main chapters of the Bible, and that's kind of where we've been exploring going from one story to the other and seeing what we can learn from all these stories and seeing what we can learn from all these circumstances and all these situations here today. And today we are probably going to explore the most famous Elijah story that there is. It's when Elijah took on the prophets of a false god by the name of Baal. In fact, our artwork kind of depicts that, where there was a challenge where they were going to uh, try to see who could call fire down from heaven uh, to consume a sacrifice. We're going to read it in just a little bit. And so I've decided to uh, name this message or title this message, Whose Side Are You On? Whose Side Are You On? I uh, am quite a sports fan. How many of you are with me? You're, you're a big sports fan? Okay, okay, good, seven. And uh, that's great. That's wonderful, thank you. Um, I am a Dallas Cowboy fan. And the reason I am, by the way, is because that's God's favorite team. So, <clears throat> so it's just natural for me. And uh, so, so as... As a Dallas Cowboy fan, okay, if you were to ask me, well, are you also like a New York Giants fan? <laughs> no, no. Am I right, Kyle? You, you cannot, you cannot have any type of positive affection for the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants, because the New York Giants is the Antichrist favorite team. A lot of people don't know that. That's one way that we'll be able to tell who it is. He's a, and, and, and so because, because of my fandom, I'm, when I have drafted fantasy football players, I refuse to draft. I don't care if they're the best available player. I will not draft from the New York Giants. I will not draft from the Philadelphia Eagles. And I will not draft from the Washington whatever they're called this week. (laughs) I won't. Because the line has to be drawn. Okay? That's the way I am. You cannot, you cannot... You cannot be a fan of the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants all at the same time. It's kind of like maybe maybe like Ohio State and Michigan. Okay? Okay, and I won't go there because now that's really bringing out some raw emotion in a lot of you here today. Okay, but, but you, here you are. It, it's like, how in the world could you cheer for both? I just like both teams. No, you don't like sports. That's, that's who you are. Helmets, they're pretty. No. So it's easy for me. In fact, my, my son, as, as he's grown up, he'll watch me watching sports. He'll say, okay, who are you cheering for? Who are you cheering for? It is rare. 
when I'm not cheering for somebody to win and for the utter destruction of the other team. It's just kind of the way that I am, okay? Now, let's take that <laughs> terrible example and let, let's try to spiritualize it a little bit here. Because Elijah is at a place where the king of Israel, uh, he has, and it, this is only like a hundred years after King David has died, not long, and he has taken upon this worship of a false god by the name of Baal, B-A-A-L. His wife, her name is Jezebel. Maybe you've heard of her. Hopefully you've never met her. I have. His wife, her, his queen, she, she had her own god that she worshipped called Asherah. And because of this and the influence on what were God's people, Elijah decides, okay, we're going to call this out right now. And he comes to the king. And that leads us to our text today. From 1 Kings chapter 18. And we're going to start in verse 16. Now, I have a number of verses to read. Hang with me. Uh, but I want you to get this story because there's a, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here. And uh, I'm excited to share this. Okay? If you're able to, could you stand with me for the reading of God's word as we read this together? 1 Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 16. I'm reading out the New International Version. If you have another translation, that's fine. You're forgiven. Just translate it back to mine. Here we go. And if you don't, I'm joking. And if you, uh, if you don't have your Bible, you could follow uh, on the screen as well. Okay, here we go. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, uh, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Let's pause here. He's calling him the troubler of Israel because Elijah said, okay, total drought, no rain, no dew, no nothing for three and a half years. And so Ahab is actually blaming Elijah for the drought. Let's pick it up from there. I've not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's command and you have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. So do the math. 400 plus 450 equals, wow, that was hard for some of you, 950, okay. And Elijah is one. 950 to one. Okay, let's keep going. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. But Baal's prophets choose, uh, let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves, 
Let them cut it into pieces, put it on the wood, and, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and he will call on the name, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Okay. Every time I read that, I'm like, what you say is good. Okay. Verse 25, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, given them, and prepared it. So then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said, surely he is a God. God. The Living Bible here, by the way, says perhaps he's on the toilet. Read it. It's, it's in there. It really is. It really is. That was a message Bible before the message Bible. Let's go. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water, and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known to thee that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you are Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. The sacrifice, wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and they cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. Seize them. And Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Who saw you on? (laughs) Jesus, speak to us through your word, I pray. Speak to us through your word. And God, I ask you that for some, this is a story they've heard many times. For others, this is kind of new. Like, uh, likewise, Lord God, some of us, maybe we need to hear this in a way that we've never heard it before. So Lord, speak to us in a way that you desire. Meet us where we're at with you. And we'll thank you for all that's done in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen.
Amen. Thanks for your patience. You may be seated. Whose side are you on? Now, you might guess with all those verses that there, there could probably be a, a ton of messages that I could draw from this. And I could. Uh, my father-in-law, share a funny story, my father-in-law focused on the part where they cut the bull into pieces. And so the title of his sermon was, We're Going to Cut the Bull. And... Uh, I looked at him and said, only you could get away with that. Going to cut the bull. Um, but I've, I've chosen, I've, I've chosen to focus on what I would say are, are three crucial parts of this story that I think we could look at today. So I, I want to look at three crucial parts of this story that we have here today. And I'm really praying that God speaks to us here. Because I think we're at a point right now where the church needs to decide. Where do we stand? Are we fully with God or are we not? Are we fully devoted to God or not? There is no halfway. There is no halfway. There is no switch that we turn on when it's Christian time and a switch that we turn off when it's not Christian time. That's not how this is made. This is not God's plan. That's not how the Lord wants you to live your life. That's not how you follow Jesus. In fact, I would suggest that if that is your mode of operation, you're not really following Jesus. He's just a convenience, but he's not your Lord. And so today, I want to unpack these three parts that really leaped out at me. A story I've heard since I was growing up in church. And let me share those with you. Number one, I want to take a look at the response. The response. There are actually two responses that caught my attention when I read this story and when I reread it to you just now. There's two responses that really, really grabbed me. The first one is the silence of God's people. May I remind you that just a hundred years ago, these are the people of God that are living under King David's leadership. They are enjoying the blessings of God. They are enjoying what God has for them. But something happened in a hundred years. And you can unpack a lot of things that would cause somebody to walk away from God and the God of their, their ancestors and then to worship a false God like Baal or a false God like Asherah. But What's striking to me is found in verse 21. I want you to see this again. Elijah went before the people and he said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And look at the response. The people said nothing. 
That's frightening to me. That's frightening. It's frightening that could it be in 21st century Christianity that somebody could say, okay, hey, tell you what, which way are you going to go? Okay, are you, are you on the Lord's side or are you on the world's side? Are, are you going to do things the way that God wants you to do or are you going to do things the way that you want to do? And for your response to be silence. I will tell you that the sound of silence, not referencing an old song, but there you go. But the sound of silence in that situation is extremely loud. And dare I say that some of the things that we have seen invade our culture, things that were unheard of even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, some things that have totally permeated our culture and now have become so normal that we think it's okay and we think it's right. And, and the problem, I believe, a big part of the problem is because the church has been very silent. We don't want to offend. And let me pause here. The goal of the church is not to offend. Okay? We still need to be, as Jesus told his disciples, we still need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Okay? So, don't go on Facebook and make an idiot out of yourself because of something that you believe, and, and it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. That's not God's plan. Hello? Okay? Don't do anything that the church would have to apologize for. I've done enough of that. But whose side are you on? Who's, who's, whose side are you on? How long... Will God's people, how long will people who identify themselves as Christians, how long will church people waver between two opinions? This is my Sunday life, but my Saturday life. This is the way I am around my church friends, but boy, when I'm away from them, oh, it's way different. And, and, and I think God would say, no more. Who, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? But there was also another silent response that I, that I got to show you here. Because not only was there silence of God's people, but did you notice that Baal didn't say anything? See, that thing that you substitute for Jesus will never be around when you need it. Oh. Oh. That was so good. It won't be. And see, in anything, anything, listen, see, because we talk about idols and false gods and we think it's limited to some statue that we put on a mantle and, and, and lay flowers in front no, no. You see, the 21st century American idol, not the show, but the, but, the, but the idols that exist now, they tend to be a lot more subtle. 
they actually tend to have a good side to them. But anything that takes, hear me please, anything that takes God's place in your life, anything that is more important to us than God is an idol. And see, it may not be in a mantle in your living room, but it very, very much could be in a prominent place in your heart. No matter how hard the prophets of Baal tried. And think of it, it was their custom to slash themselves, to bleed, to scream, to shriek. I mean, and that was their custom. And what did it get them? Nothing. See, this is the thing. This is the thing. Baal will always be silent when you think you need him most. That thing that you've put in God's place will never be available when you need him most. Some of us have put an actual individual in God's place because we think that person will make us more happy than God. And the problem is that person is not perfect. That person fails, but God is perfect and he will never fail. And that's why we're so miserable. And that's why, just check out Facebook. You've got people jumping from relationship to relationship. This is my soulmate. Now this is my soulmate. Now this is my soulmate. And we're all over the place. And the problem, the problem is you're, what you're trying to find in a soulmate, you can actually find in Jesus. It's a cheap imitation. That's all the enemy of your soul does is offer cheap imitations to everything that God has. Everything, everything. Just a cheap imitation. And so the Holy Spirit, not Elijah, not this preacher, but the Holy Spirit would stand before you today and he would say, how long will you waver between two opinions? Will you do things God's way? Or will you do things your way? We dare not be silent because if it's not God's way, there will be an incredibly loud silence. That leads me to number two. Secondly, today, I want to look at the request that was made. Elijah prayed a very powerful prayer in verse 37. I almost missed it. I was studying this, and, and, then, and then I looked at verse 37, and I thought, whoa. Now, th- this is... This is powerful. And I want to speak to God's people here today. Because, first of all, Elijah prayed for what I would call a revealing to take place. Look at verse 37. He said, answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God. Stop there. You know what Elijah did not pray? God, answer me. Please don't make me look bad in front of all these people. (laughs) I mean, come on. Wouldn't you be praying that just a little bit? It's like, okay, I got 950 angry, bloody pagans looking at me. I'm against all of them. Please 
don't make it rain right now. We need fire, okay? Lots of fire. He, he didn't say that. It wasn't about him. Ooh, ooh, come on. It wasn't about Elijah. And see, those of you who want God to use you, you got to understand it's not about you. You want to do great things for God? The moment you pray that prayer is the moment that you give up anything being about you. Why do we do the giveaway? Okay, for those of you who don't know what the giveaway is, it's big. It's a two-day event that used to be a one-day event for a few hours, and, 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 and we, we tell people about Jesus, and we bless them as much as we can, and God has given us favor over that thing, and, and, and we saw over 100 people make decisions for Jesus last year alone at this thing. I'm trusting God to do even more. Yeah, give God praise for that, okay? Okay, okay, now, now, my saying that, my saying that, my purpose in saying that and my purpose in our having the giveaway is not this. Man, we need Bethel Church to look good here. Oh God, I pray that we would get more YouTube likes. By the way, you can subscribe right now if you're on YouTube right now. <laughs> Just hit the little button. ruining the sermon. That's not why. It's not about Bethel. Other preachers come up to me and they say, wow, your church must be really a lot bigger because you've done it. And I say, that's not what it's about. Why do we do it? So the people will know that the Lord is God. So the people will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if they're lost, they can find Jesus. They may come here looking for a blender or a toy. But they can walk out of here with salvation in their souls. See, So, so our prayer as a church, hear me, everything we do, everything we do, our prayer as a church is this, God. Our prayer is that the people will know that you are God. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. God, reveal yourself through us. Hey, when you come to church on Sunday, pray that God would reveal himself through you, not just through my sermon, not through the worship team only. May God reveal himself through you, through your greeting, through your handshake, through your prayers, through all of it. God, reveal yourself to somebody who needs to know that you truly are God. There is a revealing that Elijah asked for, and he also prayed for a returning he not only prayed for a revealing, but he prayed for a returning. Look at the second half of Elijah's prayer in verse 37. He says, answer me, Lord, that you are turning their hearts back again. Watch how that is said. You are turning their hearts back again. Well, my, my, my little brother gets saved. If you just preach better, it's not about me. It's not about me. If you just had this and this and this and this, man, maybe we'd see some people getting saved. But it, it, it's a work of God. It's not a work of Bethel. It's a work of God. It's not a work of Phil Anderson. It's a work of God. It's God's 
work and of the Holy Spirit's work that turns people's hearts back to the Lord. Perhaps today you can look at a time that you were closer to God, but some things have entered into your life that's caused a bit of a distance between you and Jesus. And it never used to be that way before, but now you've allowed some things to kind of creep in, and now you've allowed some stuff to kind of step into your life, and it's damaged your relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to understand that it's not the words of a sermon that's accomplishing that uneasy feeling that you feel right now. That is a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention. It's God who brings hearts back. If you're distant from God, it's God who wants to bring you back. Now you've got to do your part. That means you've got to say, okay, no more. No more of what I'm doing right now. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to do things God's way now. My family and I, we're going to do things God's way now. And you might enjoy it, but if it's not God's way, you got to run from it. I'll say that again. You might enjoy it. It might make you happy. But if it's hurting your relationship with God, you have to run from that thing. Or that person. I'm going to close with this. And again, for those that know me, that means nothing. closing. I want to look at the result of all this. So we read the story, right? All these prophets of Baal, Elijah also invited the prophets of Ashura. They are going through their thing, man. They're going through their rituals. They're going through all their yelling and screaming and cutting and bleeding and, 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 and their pleas. And, and you know what? They were very zealous, weren't they? Can I just pause here and say, just because a person is zealous in what they believe doesn't mean that they are correct. Let me try this side. Just because somebody is very zealous about what they believe does not mean they're correct. Not at all. So they go through all their thing. Then Elijah says, cut the bull. (laughs) That was a good sermon. (laughs) They prepare the bull. 950 to 1. He says, okay, got some water? Yeah. Dump water on it. Okay. Do it again. Remember that trench I had you dig around the altar? I had a reason for that. Do it again. And this altar and the bull is soaked. There's no way that if this is going to happen, there's no trick that's going to make this happen. Then Elijah prays that prayer that you just read in verse 37. And the result takes place, and fire comes down. Wow. Hey, don't you wish there was social media then? Man. Fire comes down from heaven, 
burns the sacrifice, burns the stone altar, burns all the wood, obviously, and also evaporates the water that was in this deep trench from all the water that they poured. Can you, can you imagine Elijah? Lord, do it! If he had a mic, he would have dropped it. Wow. But I want you to see what the, the real result was. The, the important result was not necessarily the fire. Can I say that without coming off blasphemous here? Okay. That wasn't the big result. Here's the big result. First of all, there was an awakening. Look at verse 39. When all the people saw this, they took a selfie. When they, no. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and they cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. There was an awakening. How many of you know, if you're wavering between God's side and Baal's side, and Baal's side didn't do any, do any good, and then one guy called out to the Lord God and fire came down, woo, okay, that's going to shake you up. That's going to mess you up. And that's exactly why God does the things that he does. Because he wants to make himself real to people that are wavering. He wants to wake people up. It's not just about the fire. Elijah didn't say, cool, I need to start fire ministries. That's not what he did. We need t-shirts. No. As a result of this, the means, the method was the fire. The result was the awakening. And hear me, God will use whatever he can use to wake people up to realize that the only way to devote your life is towards Jesus Christ. He will use any means possible to do that. It may be fire. It may be circumstances. It may be your discomfort. It might be something else that takes place in your life. But understand when those fires fall in your life, God wants to get your attention and say, look towards me. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. And everything that you have put in his place is a cheap substitute. There was an awakening. Jonathan, if you could help me out, because finally there was also what I call an annihilation. Ooh. Elijah did not say, wasn't that cool? All right. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Now what he did. Look at verse 40. Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley, and not a good day for them. Slaughtered them there. anything that could potentially 
take the place of the Lord God in your life has to be destroyed. No, I'm not suggesting, (laughs) okay, I'm not suggesting that you find the nearest valley and your boyfriend and just wee, wee. Pastor told me to do this. It's not what pastor told you to do. But could it be? Could it be that there needs to be a change in your schedule? Some of you almost think that's too flippant, but some of us keep on exposing ourselves to Baal. And God says, stop. Maybe that person at the Circle K thinks she's kind of cute. And that's why you go, because she gives you attention even though you're married. And the Lord would say, I, I, I think you need to change your commute. Maybe the conversation that you've been having online that you have no business having because it's destructive. It's destructive to you. It could be destructive to your family. It could be destructive to your life, but you just need to cut that thing off. And see, here's the deal. I like the fact that they were slaughtered. I'm not weird. Well. But, but, Elijah didn't say, no, no, no. No more bail. Elijah took care of that thing. Cut the head off that thing. If you're not ruthless with idols, they will be ruthless with you. If you're not ruthless with Baal, Baal will be ruthless with you. So whose side are you on? God's way? Or some other way? I think the Lord would would talk to his people. He he would look at a bunch of people that had been around in church for, some of you for years, and and he would say, which which way are you going to go? It's it's time. It it really is time. Because folks, turn on the news for 15 minutes today and tell me that Jesus isn't coming back soon. Okay? So the time's short. We don't have time to mess around. We don't have time to mess around. And so so the Lord would say, who's out of yon? Not only come to my side, but stay on my side. Don't just come to my side on Sunday. You stay on my side on Monday. You stay on my side on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And whatever your plans are Friday night, you you stay on my side. Whatever your plans are on Saturday night, you stay on my side. 
Because Baal will destroy you. And then the moment you want Baal, he won't be there. Don't be silent. Don't be silent. Do things God's way. Will you stand with me? This speak to you today? So many ways we could respond to this. I'm going to give you a chance to pray. But do you know when the biggest response takes place? It's tomorrow. Maybe later today. But that, that's, that's when you really answer this question. It's easy to answer this question in church. <laughs> My goodness, if it's a struggle in here, we got problems. But when you leave this place and you go back to the campus, students, y'all go to the workplace, your neighborhood, whatever, wherever God has put you, that's when that question has to be answered. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? So I want to pray for you. Some of you need to pray about your schedule this week. You need God to change it. Some of you need to pray about a relationship that you have that is not healthy. It's toxic. Pray about that relationship. Some of you need to say, God, I just need you to alter my life. I need you to change my life. We're going to ask God to do that. Would you bow your heads, all of us? I'm going to say a prayer. When I say amen, I'm going to dismiss you. You can do one of two things. You can either stay in this room and pray, or you can make your way uh, from this place and just live this thing out. But if you need to pray, if you need to say a prayer, say, okay, God, I need your help in this, then that's your prayer. That's your next direction. It's talking to no one else first but Jesus. But I wonder today, is there someone here you are not serving Jesus right now. You're, you're not where you should be with Christ. You've drifted from him. Or maybe you've never served him at all. Friend, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit has gone to great lengths today to get your attention. Will you give your life completely to Jesus today? Today is the day. Not tomorrow. Not, not next Sunday. Today. And I promise I will not embarrass you, but if you need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior today, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to pray for you. So if you could just acknowledge that to me with a simple raise your hand and put it right back down. I want to pray for you today if that is you. I need Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Is there somebody else? I need Jesus in my life. You can put your hands down too. Is there someone else? I need Jesus to forgive me and I need to follow him. I'm going to say this closing prayer now. If you raised your hand, I want you to pray this from your heart and ask the Lord to give you brand new life and make you a totally different person. If you need to linger here after I say amen and pray, Please, by all means, do that and 
let's walk out of here knowing whose side we're on and live this thing out to the fullest. So Jesus, I'm asking you right now, first of all, God, I pray for those that raise their hands. God, together we pray this prayer. The Lord, come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. I want to be a follower of you, Jesus. So God, I pray that you forgive me of all my sin and come into my life and help me to live for you every single day, Lord. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you rose from the dead, Lord God. And your word says that that means I am saved. So God, thank you for doing that. Thank you that you have made us new creations in Christ. God, there are some people here today who need to stick around here and talk about talk to you about what they're facing in the upcoming week. They need your help to conquer some temptation. They need your help to be able to say yes when they need to say yes and no when they need to say no. So Lord, I pray that you would Give them the strength and the courage to do that, Lord God. We don't need fire from heaven to do this. God, all we need is your Holy Spirit. So Jesus, let your Holy Spirit flow in us and through us as we live for you daily. Go with us now. May we live for you the rest of this week. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask all of this. God's people said amen. If you need to pray, feel free to do so right now. If God's released you. You can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.